We are. All right. Let's just do a little brief recap where we're at. It's a four-part series, this, with other talks in, in between on peacemaking. And part one, we called Glorify God in Conflict, which is relationships are going wrong, maybe at work, maybe at family, maybe in church. And the temptation is to want to just sort of swipe away the conflict. Whatever it is that's coming up, I just don't want to deal with it. I can't deal with it. This is, why is this happening in my church life? Why is it happening in my family? The temptation is to sort of bat it away, and I encourage us to think that conflict could be an opportunity to glorify God. Could be something, could be your best opportunity this year in which to show off the living God and what God's like and how good God is, and to grow and become more like Christ and to be a blessing. So conflict could be an opportunity for the glory of God. That was part one. Part two, when we're in a conflict, the first thing we spent a, a whole Sunday morning thinking about taking a log out of our own eye. Those famous words of Jesus. When something's going down, something's not quite right, our first port of call, isn't it, is to look at ourselves and to think, how am I contributing to this problem? What's my part in this? That was part two. Part three, gently restore, captures that, those words at the beginning of Galatians 6, where Paul says, so is someone caught in a sin? Someone caught up there? They're in a difficult and bad place, maybe a disillusioned place, and they don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're harming themselves, harming others, or harming the honour of God in some way. And it is our loving duty to restore someone. If you remember last week, I said restoration is the goal. It might involve confrontation. We might have to confront someone in some way or talk to them in some way. It might not, though. But restoration, restoring someone, bringing someone back around is the goal. And do go and listen to some of these talks if you've missed out, um, just to get a bit of the background. Today is, is a hard one. It is a difficult one, this. I find it, I found this one most difficult to prepare um, because it's on the subject of forgiveness. And I want to read you the words. It's titled, Go and Be Reconciled. That's the title of this fourth part. And it comes from Jesus' words in Matthew 5, which I've also got on the screen. And Jesus says this, and he's in the middle of talking about murder in this passage. So he is talking about serious things. And he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. We'll just leave, can we just leave that text on there, Bruce, for a moment? Leave your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled, then come and offer your gift, says Jesus. In other words, someone's got something against you, there's something going on, and it's ruined your relationship in some way. Jesus says, there is a priority for you 
that is higher than your worship. Leaving a gift, coming to the altar in that temple of the living God in ancient Jerusalem was possibly the highest form of worship. To go there with your gift would be an act of solemn worship. There'd be few things, I would imagine, in the mind of the believer in Jesus' day that would be higher than temple worship. And Jesus says, now, if there is an issue, someone's got someone against you, something against you, Jesus says, stop. And go and sort it out. Now, I don't know what we want to replace that with these days. It might be outreach. It's a good thing to do. We've got to reach out to the town around us, maybe to our colleagues. But the Lord says, if you're about to do some outreach, (laughs) that's your act of worship. You're about to do some outreach and then discover that someone has something against you. First, maybe you're about to go and volunteer for HARP, volunteer for the food bank, volunteer for whatever it is, as an act of worship. This is my act of worship to the living God. I'm going to go and do this thing. And then discover that someone has something against you. First, says Jesus, first, go and sort it out. There's something more precious to God, therefore, isn't there? There's something more precious to God, something of higher priority than our acts of worship. He's so bothered about forgiveness and reconciliation. But it is a difficult one, this. And I want to say this. This is a sort of the three points. This is where I'm going, right? So I'll just hang it on three points. Forgiveness isn't easy. I just want to hang on that for a bit because I know that even doing a sermon like this can bring things up for people. So let's just acknowledge that it's not easy. Secondly, though, I want to say it's not optional. And turn the screw on that for a little bit. And then thirdly, just look at God's provision for forgiveness for us as we come a little bit later on to the table. Firstly, it's difficult. This is a difficult thing. Forgiveness is not easy. I don't know what's coming up in your mind when we start talking about forgiveness, past relationships, past hurts, things that are going on. It is painful. There's, um, I know some of you have seen it. Have you guys seen Time on the BBC, BBC iPlayer, Time, the prison, prison drama? It's a good one. Recommend it. You've got to have a bit of a stomach for it, but um, it's a good one. And it explores the idea of um, someone who's drunk. It's Sean Penn, he's a drink driver. He's had a terrible accident and killed someone, a boy. And at least part of it is exploring the difficulty for the mother to forgive this man. Even though he's sorry, even though he's being punished four years in prison, even though he's making amends, and he's quite reformed and teetotal and everything else, still, it's a great show for bringing out how hard it is 
very hard to offer forgiveness. And you know as well, I'm sure we know to some degree, and some of us here perhaps to a very painful degree, what it is when someone's taken something from you, maybe something that you cannot get back. And to this day, it still twists you up. It's hard. It's really hard to forgive. Or perhaps there's something happening right now for you. Repeated patterns of behavior, someone's taking advantage, and it's ruining your life, and forgiveness feels completely out of the question. I want to just stop and say at this point, if that is you and you want to talk and pray about it with, with one of us afterwards because it's particularly striking a chord, then do please stop and pray um, because it's serious and I don't want, to, don't want you to leave without having that offer of prayer and praying that through with someone you trust here. But forgiveness is really hard. And also, I want to say something else about um, sort of the flip side of that, which is unforgiveness, which is that there is something strangely addictive about unforgiveness. I don't know if you've experienced this. If you've ever gone through um, something very difficult and actually what you really want to do is just turn it over in your mind over and over again. You want to turn over the offences of someone who's hurt you in your mind over and over again. You want to talk about it with people. You want to rehearse it. You want to, you want to continually bring it back up because it's in some strange and twisted way it's quite therapeutic to just mull over it and punish that person, even in your thoughts and imagination. There's something strangely addictive about unforgiveness. If you've experienced that. And on some of these 12-step courses, there's a quote from one of them, uh, from the 12-step courses. I don't know where this quote comes from, but I've heard it a number of times. It describes resentment or unforgiveness. I think I've got a slide for that, Bruce. Resentment or unforgiveness, like a poison. You drink hoping someone else will die. Have you heard that quote before? Unforgiveness, denying someone any forgiveness, is like almost, a, I'd go one step further and say like a poisonous drug. It's something you can almost, it's something actually you quite hold on to and take into yourself but it's poisonous, it's twisting you up, and you're hoping that the other person will be punished. But it's killing you, messing you up at the same time. Forgiveness is really hard when serious things happen. I know there are trivial things as well, but when it's costly, when there's things that have gone on, it is hard. But let me just move on to the second thing I want to say, which is that forgiveness is not an option either. So this is where it gets difficult, isn't it? Because if you're feeling that way, and then you hear what I'm about to read to you, the words of Jesus, it gets even harder. But I am going to read the words of Jesus because I think it's important. And they are right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. 
And, then, and right in the section on the Lord's Prayer, so let me just, let's just remind ourselves of what the Lord's Prayer is. Do you remember Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And then the doxology we usually add on at the end. But that's the bit that Jesus does. And of all the things, right, in this passage, of all the things that Jesus could have talked about after he taught his disciples this world-famous, probably the most famous prayer, he could have said, I'll tell you what it means to ask for daily bread. I'll tell you what it means to hallow the Lord's name. I'll tell you what it means to, I don't know, be delivered from temptation. But the thing he actually clarified on twice was forgiveness. So this is what he says at the end of that prayer. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he says this. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's difficult, isn't it? He says it twice, positively and negatively. If you forgive other people, you will be forgiven. And then the same thing the other way around. If you don't, you won't. It's the only thing he qualifies after explaining, after saying the Lord's Prayer, teaching it. I'll say a few words about that in a minute, but we're preoccupied about a lot of things, right? As a church, <clears throat> I know maybe in your thoughts or in the wider life of the church, we preoccupy ourselves with a lot of things. But this is big, isn't it? This is a big deal. It seems to be a big deal for Jesus. A very big deal. He spoke parables about forgiveness. There is a lot in the New Testament that all of his disciples wanted to expound on the topic of forgiveness. And he said this. It's not optional. Now, I wonder if you're sat there thinking, oh gosh, this sounds like a condition it sounds a bit conditional. I'm not used to hearing that kind of language in church, in Christian things. Is this conditional? Is God's love after all? Is his love after all? Is it conditional? I only get forgiven if I forgive others. It certainly sounds like it. So let me see if I can just explain it this way. I found this helpful. I found this helpful. Let me try it out on you. I think this may just help clear this one up a little bit. I think you've heard, I hope you've heard, that the, the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus is that his, his love and his salvation is free. It is a free gift. It is a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to perform to win the favour and love and acceptance and grace of the living God. That is true. But if, if we imagine, just imagine then, it is a free gift. Right? Here is Jesus offering you the free gift of life with him 
forever. And you don't have to perform. It's on offer. It's right there. Take it. We cannot take a gift if we're at the same time holding on to baggage. It could be idols. We're worshipping other things. Jesus says, drop it. Let go. Take the gift. We can't take the gift if we're full of pride. If we're clinging on to our own pride and our own striving. I can do it my own way and I don't need you, Jesus. If I'm holding on to that pride, that's the thing that's in my hands, I can't receive this free gift. I have to drop that to receive. And similarly, if I'm holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment clutching it so tight that I won't let go and receive, then you can't. So it's not that the gift of Jesus is conditional. Do you see? The gift is there. It's on offer. Take it. It's yours. It's a free gift. Have it. I've earned it for you. Have it. But if you like in the image, in the picture there, We have to put things down if there's baggage. If we've got baggage, especially around the issue of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, that must first, you've got to first drop that to receive. Now that that in itself may still be a very, very difficult thing for us to do and for you to do, for me to do. But this is my third and final point before we come to the table in a moment. That the Lord has given us the greatest possible resource, this whole meal, this whole meal that we're about to receive together is a symbol and a sign of the greatest resource that the Lord has given us for this very purpose. Sometimes um, people say, and quite often Um, people argue, particularly in theological texts, sometimes at least, why can't God just forgive? Why, Why is it that God can't just snap his fingers and say, I forgive you and I forgive the whole world, and I just, I just do it because I'm God, and there it is. It's yours, you can have it. I'm just gonna forgive you and drop it. So people, just to follow that on, people say, why this? Why sacrifice? Why blood? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? So the idea is, that just sounds so primeval and um, primitive. It sounds something that the Greeks would do or ancient, you know, religious tribes might do. Sacrifice blood sacrifice but really is the living God into blood sacrifice does it have to be sacrifice blood for forgiveness that's the question it's posed why can't God just forgive I wonder if you could ask that question you know hypothetically to the mum who lost her son in this fictitious story in the BBC programme to a drunk driver 
Imagine going up to that woman and saying, what is the matter with you? Why can't you just forgive? Why do you have to keep dwelling on it? Why does it have to eat away inside? Why, do you ha- why is it so painful for you? Why can't you just forgive? And the answer is, of course, because it's so costly. It's so costly to forgive. Even when that person is being punished or whatever, there's in some way taking the blame, there's consequences for the things that they've done, it still, still costs. It still costs me to forgive. It's painful. It's hard. And so what we have when we have Jesus on the cross is God acknowledging the cost. It's so costly. And instead of asking us to pay for that, he goes, no, I'll pay. I'll pay. There is cost, there is deep cost to forgiveness. And God says, I'll pay body and blood. With myself, with my own life, with my own life, I'll pay. And so that you see the pain and the cost, it will be body and blood. And it's so powerful, isn't it? As we see what it cost the living God to forgive me, I'm just as capable, aren't I, with the right set of circumstances, I, Michael Walker, am just as capable of drunk driving and knocking some kid over. I could be as reckless and as careless and as stupid as that in the right circumstances. And I have done careless, reckless things with my own life, trodden over people, been extremely self, self-interested, all these different things, and yet God has taken that and borne the cost himself for my forgiveness. And Jesus encourages us to think upon that, how much the Lord has done for me, for you, for us, how much he's done. And that becomes like a wellspring. It becomes a deep vault of grace that can then extend out, flow out. When you feel it, know it, and experience it more and more, and take it in. So we take it in. So it becomes something that produces reserves within us for others. It is a strange meal, this. I don't know if anyone's come to communion for, like, in adulthood. It's a strange thing. When guests and maybe people from another country come into churches in the UK or elsewhere, and you hear, what are you, sorry, what are you doing? You're drinking blood and eating the body? of Christ, the body and blood. It sounds very, very strange. Maybe not to our ears because we're used to it, but it is a strange thing, isn't it? But it's almost like the cost, the body and blood cost that God bore to make forgiveness possible. We sort of take that into ourselves so that it's available for others. The more we appreciate it, 
more we spend time lingering on that and what God has done for us in Christ. So we're resourced to forgive. I'm going to finish there. Next week, we'll spend a little bit of time just fleshing out what that might look like practically because I don't want these messages to just purely be thinking about what God's done. But that is important, right? Forgiveness is hard. Let me summarize. Forgiveness is very hard, especially if, be, if you've really been wronged. It's very hard. But forgiveness is not optional. Jesus has not given us any wiggle room on this. It is not an option. And so thirdly, it is why he gave of himself body and blood. Sometimes I think church is the place... Now, if someone said to me, what's the definition of church? What would you call church? How would you, how would you, kind, of, what would you kind of put as a label, if you like? How would you define it? One time, I defined it as a place where forgiveness is possible. It's, it's, church is the place of forgiveness made possible with God, who forgives us, and with us as we forgive one another. Forgiveness made possible right here. And it's at the centre of the life and work of the living God. Let's pray together. We'll pray, and we'll pray the words of the song that we're about to sing. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter says, You know that it was not perishable things, such as silver or gold, with which you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but the precious blood of Christ. Lord, as we approach your table, as we come to the altar... I pray that we would draw deeply of your forgiveness, that we might forgive others. Amen.